Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome to the final episode of the Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host for the last time, Colin McKay, with my host, coast to coast, Joseph Wazileski, who we did refer to in the Give last it up. episode. I just want everyone to understand that Colin has literally like run this whole show since the very beginning. Uh, and Colin, I just want to say this to you. Um, that it truly has been just a wonderful experience doing this podcast with you. And it's taught me so much. Um, and that you absolutely crush it every time, every day we did this, you crushed it. Well, thank you. I think and you have some room for improvement now. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the I do. most I do. thing? I do. Can you imagine you said this really heartfelt <laughs> thing, and I was just like, yeah, you did all right. Like, yeah, well, fuck you. You know? Okay, moving on. <laughs> no, but seriously. No, like, Joe and I have been partners I, in this from the beginning, and it's been a long ride, so we're taking it easy on this episode, just talking, you know, kind of let ad nauseum about music, and business, breezy. media, whatever. Um, I have some things that I haven't told Joe about that I was like, oh, let's uh, ask Joe about this or whatever because I saw some stuff. But it's going to be really lax for this one. We don't know how long this will go on. But I mean, yeah. I mean, first and foremost, we're at 150 episodes on my episode counter, but we did. You know, we did those Grammy episodes. That's so we did, crazy. We did. Wait, how many years have we episodes. been doing this? We've been doing this for three years, Joseph. Three years. Holy shit, dude. That's so insane. So when this comes out, it would be about three years of content, which, I mean, I think we should go into a little bit of like how we got here with this because we never, we never said it. And like everyone I've talked to, 
You know, I'm a pretty mm-hmm. bashful person. You know, like I, uh, I not perceived on the show at all, but in life, I'm not just over here like oh, I have a podcast. You know, and I like it's just like <laughs> more of. I, what, what I'm saying is, I thought it's like that meme and- where you're in the corner of the party, and they're like, "No one knows that I have a podcast." Right, exactly. <laughs> so what, what, let's get into. I mean, Joe and I met in college, as some of you have inferred, and I've said multiple times on the show. And we just got along so well right immediately about a lot of things musically and stuff like that. And Joe wanted to go into more content side and I wanted to go more towards audio. So we kind of always had like a synergistic relationship with one another. Um, Mm -hmm. And we decided like we were living together still after college. I was in the beginning of my my live sound kind of career. Joe had just kind of really started going like fully freelance out of school, everything like that. And, you know, it was 2019 and in touring, there was nothing that could happen. There were no place we could go. There was nothing. There was no iceberg on the horizon. Exactly. And nothing um, was nothing's wrong. Nothing is wrong. By the way, Joe and I are slightly drinking for this episode. So enjoy that. Anyway, can you tell? So it was 2019. Nothing could stop us at all. Right. And then I got a call. I'm literally sitting in our like shop and somebody goes, have you heard about this virus in China? And I went, it'll probably, you know, it's going to be like swine flu. It's going to be like, you know, over and done. You know, uh, some people, you know, might get really hurt. I'm really sad for them and we need to develop a vaccine, but it's like, you know, it's going to be like every other kind of thing we have where like malaria pops up. And two months later, um, we were going to halftime hours and we were very uncertain about this, what, what our jobs were going to be there. Um, so, you know, at that point, Went to, you know, kind of, there was no touring whatsoever. I mean, everybody was trying. This was before we even figured out the normalcy of like, you know, um, I'm trying to think like an example, like it would be like uh, FedEx, are you ready to rock out? (sighs) (laughs) I can't hear you from your couches. (sighs) You know, like, and it'd be like, well, this song and that we haven't even got to there yet. Right. Like it wasn't like, oh, we're going to do Zoom corporate things. Nobody knew what the hell to do. So mm-hmm. I was sitting in our house that Joe and I lived in. And I remember, you know, my brain started going a little crazy because funny enough, at the time I was on unemployment plus the $600 a month that we had. Mm-hmm. And I was making more money than I ever had made because <laughs> I was in the beginning of my career. So like Hell that yeah. a week was more money than I had ever made. And so mm-hmm. I just decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to do things for myself. So I started running, I started doing stuff. And, you know, I'd always been kind of a creative body. Like I did some songs, I did all this. And I kind of was like, Joe, why don't we do a show? And Joe, I remember you were like, about what? Like, what are we going to talk about? I, it was so funny. Like you were so innate with it. You were like, we are doing a show but we just don't yeah. know what we're doing, which I think was part of like, you know, the atmosphere at the time. Cause we were all just trapped inside. What else were we going to do? You know what I mean? Well, I think too, we had like, we had a, we had a friend, not had, we still have, he's friend, gone now. Our friend Hunter, <laughs> he's gone now. Uh, uh, <laughs> who he said something right about starting a show or was it like, he was like, like that. you guys can talk forever about this shit or something. Uh, because we would just get into these like insane 
in depth conversations. Exactly. And like, we would just be, we would be ruining dinners across Nashville because like we did Joe and I would just start on some tangent about something we heard on the news. And like, it all came back to our college days where we were, you know, thriving music business students. I was an audio kid. And like, we would just sit in the college and we'd be like, did you hear about MGMT's new album? And they'd be like, that's really strange. MGMT has it. And and we would just keep going off. So we never stopped doing that. Like we would just be menaces at parties. Like, you know, everyone's having a good time. We're dancing or whatever. And then I'm over here talking about how interest rates are going to affect the record labels, you know, and be like, isn't that interesting? And everyone else is like, (laughs) go away. And Joe's like, that is interesting. So that's how we got here. Um, But like, seriously, though, like that's how this started. And then, you know, I can't go into details, but basically uh, some people kind of saw what we were doing and believed in us. And all of a sudden we had a real quote unquote show, you know what I mean? And it was like, oh my God, here we are. So it's just kind of crazy. Like you're saying, it's been three years. Which very much thank you to uh, Bobby and Mike from the Nashville Podcast Network. Yeah. Who have always been very supportive. For like, yeah. and, And for taking a chance on us as well. Like, I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better team. Um, they featured us on their show. We like, you know, they yeah, reached out I mean, to us. Like we didn't, we, yeah. we didn't, we didn't campaign at all for ourselves. We thought this would be a fun little COVID. I mean, project. we, we got very lucky. Right. Um, like with them finding out about the show and stuff. And like, we, we had, we at that point too, had been doing the show prior to, to joining up uh, on the on the network, but um, we we were very we were kind of still figuring it out. <laughs> you know, it wasn't really until we got on that we had some. Yeah, like, until we had somebody say very, like this could be a real deal. You know what I mean? And so like, yeah. And, and again, I mean, I, this I I don't want it to be like one of these. I'm, I'm not trying to give like an Oscar speech where they like start playing the music and they're like, shut <laughs> up. You know what I mean? But like, literally, they were so helpful to us and thank mm-hmm. God, you know, out there. No, I just like, just go down the full Oscar speech <laughs> and my mama. Um, no, but like anyway, but seriously though, they were very helpful. And then the other thing was, is that we had supportive fans that listened to the show and like, you know, I, guys, 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 if you're listening and I've been listening to the show, you have to understand we are niche beings. We are yeah, we're so very niche. niche. There are, so you know, niche. people are fighting to get music. There's like a point zero zero four percent population. Right, right, right. People are fighting to just get regular music <laughs> listened to, to talk about music at nauseum is very niche, right? And mm-hmm. um like we thankfully, you know, here in town in Nashville when Joe lived here too, and even in LA, like people would just come up to us and be like, Hey, I've listened to your show and I really like it. And like there's still people this day that like will come up to me and like one of the weirdest things was like people will come up and this is a very unique like podcaster experience. I'll have an argument I made six weeks ago and then some person that I know or found out about our show will be like, Hey, I have a really big opinion about this and I disagree about these words. And I'm like, what did I say? You know, like that's kind of, and so it's just crazy (laughs) to see the, Oh yeah. Do you, Colin, after you after we have a show, do you just like black out and you're like, I don't even remember. Well, you know, we we had different things because one thing that was nice about our relationship was that 
Joe was the content guy. So I'd send him the video, whatever, you know, he'd make clips, all this kind of stuff. And then I just have to like, for the purposes of my brain and the way I was raised, I can't usually like leave things unfinished. If I'm the only person that is stopping it and it's like, you know, not seven hours of work, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I usually go into like, I'm editing, you know what I mean? Like now I'm editing right, right after the show. Um, but I do see what you mean. I mean, Joe, like we've, we've talked to each other for a long time, but we've, we've put a lot of work in the show. I mean, like we did those deep dives and like, to be honest, I mean, to be honest guys, it's like uh, some of our show will remain relevant and some of our show will be a time capsule. I'm sure. But a lot of it is week Mm -hmm. by week by week. So it goes irrelevant, but I really am proud of like, and I'll ask you this, Joe, what you're kind of most proud of with this is like, I'm really proud of a lot of the stuff we did that I feel like will hold up a lot. Like I think it'd be really interesting later on if like you ever, you know, think about it, like let's go listen to what we thought and people thought around the Grammys. You know what I mean? Yeah. In 2020. I think that would be insanely interesting. Like 15 years later. And we're like talking about some artist that's like a best new artist and be like, we don't even know who this is and be like, yeah, little did we know. Or like another one I love that we did that I think will, you know, hold the test of time or these deep dive episodes we did where we talked about like the Grammys is one of my favorite. And I had some people reach out from the Grammys and talk to me about that. And that was really interesting and intriguing. And thanks to that person who knows the, who they are. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, like we had some great guests on the show that were very nice to us who still, you know, have always been like, you know, anything you need, you know, like, and so like, I will say, from the bottom of our heart, and so I don't have to say this like 50 times, you have to Oscar pull me off with a long, you know, cane, like, thank you to everyone who has ever listened to our show, who's ever showed it to somebody, who's told us that you listen to the show, who wanted to interact with us. We thank you so much. We also thank all of our guests that have ever been on the show and everything they've done for us. I mean, they've gone out of their way in their free time to help us with so many things. It's amazing. And on top of that, thanks to again, Bobby and Mike for everything and believing from us from the beginning about our show. And like, I mean, I told Joe multiple times, I was like, we shouldn't even be doing this. Like, like a little, anytime (laughs) Joe and I got into disagreement about something where we were just like, I don't know, man, we got to keep the, I'd be like, Joe, we shouldn't even be here right now. Like we're, you know what I mean? Like we, we're eternally blessed. So thank you. That's the thank you portion of the show that we had to get over the way. But Joe, do you want to say any last thank yous before we move on to more other stuff? We've had a lot of amazing people support us the whole way. Ooh, um, can I can and, I make one and, special mention real quick? Yeah, but, um, yeah, absolutely. I want to thank at the time unknown TikTok DJ, but now big dude Veggie for all his help Hell and yeah. support. He was Veggie one of our beats. original supporters of the show. He made the music that you listen to on the front end and the back end of this show. Did it for mm-hmm. at the time you know, a deal for us that we use in perpetuity. It was, you know, he was yeah. so nice with his time and so, you know, gave us a yeah. bunch of stuff. I mean, and so that's just Trevor's something still to take very for much granted. a dear friend yeah. to us. And like, he, he's so sweet. He so is veggie, so this talented. is to you, baby. Trev, you're, you're with us in our hearts. Thank you. You believed in us from the beginnings, but Joe, keep going. I don't want to cut you off. Oh uh, no, you're good. I, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, uh, I also want to thank Rachel Gutman. Um, I do innately yep. so much guests on the yeah, show and uh, also just, you know, helping us with everything legal and her kind of stuff. Yeah, so she is incredible. She has, she has helped us out 
immensely. She has one of the uh, biggest hearts and one of the most caring minds of anyone I've known in the industry, especially, you know, the level of success she has and will have in the future. So Rachel, thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Um, anyway, well, uh, the Oscars are now closed Yeah, right. (laughs) and it's time to free up your minds. Oh God, where are we going? And I want to take you on a journey to, I don't know. I don't know what the phantom zone. I don't know. (laughs) Um, well, anyway, Joe, you know, like I thought I saw this, um, one of these, I, uh, to remain nameless, one of these, uh, well, you know what? Name them. Um, one of our publications that I really love to read is uh, Mo News, who does a uh, Mo News on Instagram, and he did mm-hmm. a really. It was really weird because you know, like I'm thinking about the show, like what are we doing as an end cap? What could we talk about? And he had some polls, and with his audience, I think came to a really, really like interesting place, which is something that we have echoed on the show all the time. Which I think you're you're going to be like, wow, we have talked about that a lot, which is, can you separate art from the artist? Mm-hmm. Is that a question you can? And I, you know, I was joking on the last couple shows. I was like, we got to ask some hard questions here, right? Yeah. Um, can you separate art from the artist? I find it hard. I find it hard to yeah. do. Um, certain mediums, I guess it's easier if you don't directly see the artist. Um, I had a hard, I mean, personally, like, uh, and you know what? I'm just gonna, it's the last episode. Who cares? We're going to say it. We're going to say what we're thinking. Um, the Kanye stuff was horrible. I think that that, was, that was definitely uh, one got to a point to where, you know, like at a, at a level, I've never been like a giant Kanye fan. Um, I've always admired his ability to create some pretty amazing songs. But like, I've always kind of thought that there was like something deeply weird, especially like towards like later years of like the way that he was pivoting with his brand of just being this like force of like, I'm just going to say shit yeah. to say it. Absolutely. And like it got to, it got to a toxic point before even he yeah, got like way before canceled, that right? people were, you know, like, historically, yeah. like, People were starting to, yeah, the question like, and he even knew it. I mean, that was the whole line when he was like, people miss the old Kanye. That's what they were talking about. You know what I mean? Yes. That was what was going Um, on. That, like when, when the anti-Semitism stuff came out, I mean, I, there was stuff that came out before that too, right? Like he was, uh, what was it? The, the. He was, he was with about, very radical people all the time. He yeah, had the it was it was he getting the, it was getting like so crazy, like his inner circle, his like whole thing, and like it just it like truly. But I just can't, notably, I a lot of people separated the art from the artist. They were like Kanye. Well, people a, did, and like people and did, but still, I don't know if that's healthy in certain. In like, my I don't opinion, think it is. I don't know if that's entirely healthy. I don't think it is because you're not perceiving like kind of the person fully, you know, you're kind of just picking and choosing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but it was like at that time. And then the com- the comments of the anti-Semitism came out and, you know, it was clearly anti you know, Semitism and everyone, there was no and ifs about it. Right. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned Kanye first because, um, he did a poll about this. He said, uh, 
Kanye West, and he was doing these polls where basically he asked, like, what do you think about them now, right? And he said, Kanye West, praise for Nazis and Hitler, various jackassery thoughts, and the options were Yeezy Music. Still listen? Still listen, but feel a bit uh, guilty? Did listen? No more. Never liked his music, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. Which... The way it broke down, and this guy has I like, feel like I feel like people though kind of guess what the majority. Okay, yeah. Voted. So your options are still listen, I think, still listen, feel I guilty. I think the majority voted still listening, but feel guilty. You know what? You want to know something really funny about it? Fifty uh, percent said uh, never liked his music, which I think is no. hilarious because literally, even even Mo here says he goes oh also half of you never liked his music college dropout was iconic which is true but like uh yeah. basically uh, w- taking away the 50% that maybe just never liked it he, they go and again there may be some people that now are like you know after he did all this was like I never liked it and they liked it you know what i mean like they really I think liked that it. that's more what's, what's going, going on. on i think so too yeah. and then i also think that people forget how many songs kanye was actually on or a part of you know what i mean yeah so um mm-hmm. in terms of like everything here like uh that we have taking away the 50% for never liked his music you have uh 9% still listen to kanye which i'm like okay that make that makes sense um 11% still listen but feel guilty and 31% don't listen anymore and never will. So I thought that was very interesting to see is like, you know, from this bigger poll, which I mean, you can get, this isn't a Quinnipiac poll, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're doing, you know, kind of some, uh, guerrilla journalism here, but like, yeah, it's, it's insanely interesting to imagine like, you know, the effect now that Kanye has had, because Kanye had, you know, was, seen by many as like the artiste of the generation and now is you know not so Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting to see um another one if you want is uh r kelly which we talked about numerous times on the show because his entire trial happened during the show we talked about our opinions there interesting about r kelly was um we talked about on the show, part of the reason he had such trouble legally other than the charges against him was that he has no money basically anymore. Right. Cause mm-hmm. he, um, he, he, he's uh he can't read, he's illiterate and he signed a bunch of contracts that were extremely predatory and they bankrupted him basically. Like he got none of his, like he signed away all his music. Can rights. he, maybe this is horrible to ask, but can he still not read? Or can he? Read I don't him? know if he's learned to read in prison, but I know that, like, I think going in, he still couldn't read. Um, just mm-hmm. given his background and everything, like, he just, he, 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 and the kind of the stardom he still had, he didn't really need to know right now. But uh, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. So people asked about R. Kelly, plain and simple, you know, like, what's going on with that and everything. And here are the options for that. They said, I still listen uh, separate ARP from the crime. I still listen. I feel guilty about it. I did no longer. And I never liked the music. Um, we kind of have another thing that says like 45% never liked the music. So we're going to take that one out. Cause it's just like, you know, people have different tastes. Right. And again, we kind of yeah. hit that thing where it's like maybe I some people that really are like, only, I never liked the music. I really only listened to like one R Kelly song. You know, I like liked the, a couple. I believe like, I can fly. I mean, there was that, there was, um, 
The like my favorite was uh what is it uh R. Kelly I feel like also was kind of out of our generation bump and grind I mean he was more of like middle nineties right you know and yeah, so like he's more like, millennial he, he and he has a icon. great voice it's just you know he's done terrible terrible things you know that have been proven yeah. in court of law and uh, so here's how the breakdown for that is he goes ten percent I still listen separate art from crime I still listen feel guilty about it twelve percent and then. Thirty-three percent. I did no longer. Which is which wait. Is what was the, What was the top one again? Uh, I missed it. Sorry. Uh, I still listen, and I separate art from crime is ten percent, and then I still listen and feel guilty about it is twelve percent, and then thirty-three hmm. percent is I did no longer. So they're they're done with it. So interesting. Thir- a third of is, people is, were like fans, and they were over it. You know what I mean? Is Matt Healy on this list? You know, that's a really good one to actually talk about is like, you know, that's kind of broaching into some territory there. And like, especially, you know, what's weird about him is like way he, he kind of has that thing that a lot of oh, celebrities. Sorry, ha- I need to, I need to interject here. I, I saw the funniest shit. People are calling Matt Healy the, the Gen Z Morrissey. Oh shit, dude. I think it's pretty what an insult, dude. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean like, it's like it's so crazy and and kind of not not correct I, in some and ways. This is one thing that I feel like you have to admit from time to time and you know, we do a show, so it's just like you know, awkward to admit. It's like, I feel like I'm not ill. I'm not equipped enough to give like opinions about him a lot, you know, cause I just don't, don't follow him enough, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but like he does have that thing going on that I know about where it's like, um, he's just got this like volatility to him. And like, it feels like there's a group of people and this happens all the time in like really kind of controversial artist careers where a group of people are like, you guys just don't get it. It's like part of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then some yeah. people are like, no, this is just wrong. You know? And so he's got that around him, which not every artist has, right? I don't think that's a part of every artist's career. I think some artists summon that into their career. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think like, I mean, I guess it's like, a it's, it's a lot different, right? From, from R. Kelly and Kanye's positioning right of like it's he was kind of he was kind of more like in the room with other people talking and saying horrible shit and then he was like laughing and it was like it was racist comments on like a podcast and he was like laughing along with them um which could have been internalized as like oh he's just like feeling awkward about it but instead of saying that he came out and said like nobody fucking cares (laughs) <laughs> which made it even worse because he's just disregarding at that point, like the racist comments. And then it was like, after that, the whole festival that was in, I can't remember which country mm-hmm. it was in. A, it was in a country. He kissed a band member and it was illegal there. And they shut the entire festival down for everybody. It wasn't just the 1975. It was like the whole festival got shut right. down. It was in protest because that of it. Sense. Yeah. And so like, there's just like a lot of decision making uh that's a little worrisome there that honestly is very um Kanye. <laughs> it's very like it's, kind of Kanye. Yeah, well, be, and that's what I'm saying. Frank. Like I feel like one thing is is that you like if anybody's like losing their mind over that, just I, I'll brace it to you. You know what I mean? Like it's 
it's one of those things where, you know, we see Kanye now as the full picture with the anti-Semitism and then the other things that now we're like, man, this was like, we should have been looking out for this. You know what I mean? Like this was definitely warning signs. Right. And, uh, we have that full picture now we have, you know, all of that available to us. And I think if I was going to give a parable here from the Matt Healy thing, I think Joe, you're making more of an argument of like, he might be on like, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012 Kanye, where it's like, mm, he's starting to do some shit and I don't know about it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's what I'm saying here is like, don't get lost in the, you know, full picture of Kanye today. Think about like Kanye's career path, but it's definitely not ill familiar by any ways. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that is brooding which is interesting, right? And, like, I, I'm not trying to dig, you know, if I got some real 1975 fans out there. Like, it's an, it's not just him. I think it's interesting to be introspective about it in general because how do we have constructive change in the music industry, right, when it comes to these terrible things and these people that, like, a lot of the time, you know, you go to these, like, these stories and testimonies and everybody talks about, like, these people and they go, oh, yeah, that was openly known. Like everybody knew that around them. Like everybody understood yeah. that. Everybody knew that. Right. And so like the only yes. way to do this is like, you know, can we examine what these artists kind of have in common? And, you know, maybe for Matt Healy, he won't go all the way that direction. Right. Or maybe he'll have it. You know, it's not like he's locked on a path. Right. But it is interesting from a perspective of like these cyclical kind of things that happen with a lot of these artists who fall into controversy, right? And start kind of going down the controversial and more controversial and even crazier controversial paths. It's like, where, where's our point where we're like, no, you need to reassess right now. You know what I mean? Um, and I think what's, what's weird about that is like when I first started the show, which I guess will give, you know, maybe some things that you learn from the show. Cause you know, one thing me and Joe have talked about a lot is like from reading the show and the publications and stuff, I'd like feel extremely well informed. You know what I mean? Like more informed than I did in like college. I just had like theories, you know what I mean? Um, but like one thing that I feel like I've learned from it is that there is definitely a line that people in society have with this controversy and it is very movable and it is very um, dependent on the person in the situation. You know what I mean? And if you did the exact same things as like somebody else that's fallen into controversy decades ago or even years later, you will have a completely different, you know, path, right? Some of them maybe mm -hmm. have, were stopped 10 minutes into their career because it's egregious. And then some of them were, you know, let go and just, Oh no, it's fine forever. So that's one thing I feel like I've learned from the show is like, there's definitely like a line that gets drawn. And I, and we've talked about it a lot on the show too, is like, I, and I think Joe, you would probably support this. I don't think there is exceedingly rare people that are fully canceled in this world. I just do not prescribe to that. Like, that, you know, people are always like, this person is canceled forever. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but most of the time, well, no. It just, you know it's what I hard mean? when it's like they come back and they make millions of dollars on some other prospect. And right? you can draw Where that line like, of what canceled means to you anywhere. You know what I mean? Is it canceled yeah. if, you know, they've fallen from like, 
you know, being in the top of the charts and being like a household name, but they're still, you know, maybe doing little shows in theaters across, you know, the United States or other, another country. Is that canceled? You know, people are still giving them money, you know, for doing this thing. Right. And then like some people are saying like canceled is just like, you know, all total nothing debt. You know what I mean? Like they're over no, you know, they have to work at like some menial job outside of entertainment, you know, and they have to be like, and then it's like, Oh man, like, where does it start? Where does it end? And I, I don't prescribe to this whole like, oh, well, you know, people are canceled all the time. I'm like, I I think that, you know, what they mean by canceled is a different thing. I definitely think it's like, you know, in life and especially in the music industry, it's like play stupid games, get stupid prizes, you know? But yeah. um, I do think... Well, when, especially when it's like, it's so... I think people think that their words, their actions don't have any kind of innate value outside of themselves sometimes. And like, it becomes like this, I don't know. I think like it's, it's, it's crazy because it can, when you like take off as an artist, it can like completely shift your perspective on life because there is like, there is this constant watch over you, right? Like of public uh, and, and, to some extent it can get to you in your brain. Like it's, it's, it really fucks with your head when all these people are like all of a sudden showing interest, right. In your music, creative endeavors, whatever. And then you get start asked like a bunch of topics that like, especially if you're a megastar, like you get people, all these like, it's kind of insane, like Colin. I don't know. I don't know if you've like like watched like red carpet shit, but like there's like so many of these interviewees trying to catch celebrities into some like gossipy story. Well, of course, because that's, that's like how that's our... like oh if you yeah oh that... if you do this like it's almost like this drive to catch people that's also unhealthy. But then there's the level of like you know. Kanye where does yeah like Kelly I get what you mean you're trying to play both sides here where it's like you know there's a level of like what we call gotcha journalism and then there's like you Mm -hmm. know that kind of stuff where it's just like we want you to say like one thing that is going to get you in really trouble and I I think the gotcha journalism is is also to some extent uh negatively impacting because it takes away from like the the actual and that and that's harsh. exactly what I was going to say is there's a line between gotcha journalism where it's kind of facetious things are taken out of context all that kind of stuff which really does exist um and there's also a line between that and just pure investigative journalism you know what i mean like the idea of being like hey man you said this crazy thing the other day can you like elaborate mm-hmm. on that a little bit you know and so like it's it's definitely like you're saying it's it's important to look both ways there where you have to kind of see what's going on with the situation. And the, one of the things that I will say as like someone that does production stuff has done production stuff, it's just like, you know, I feel like there's, there's a lot of people that get, you know, things from how things are edited, all that kind of stuff at the same time. And I think there is, credit to that at the same time. But I also think I 
also think we almost we kind of have this like meta argument going on a lot with celebrity culture where something that's like clearly shown it's one shot you know it is before you know ai has even really taken off to be like completely like you know uh fooling people 100 percent of the time right like people have this like rationale where they see their celebrity and they just one, they don't care and ignore it. Or two, which I think is way worse, is they'll have like the full context of something and they'll be like, you guys just don't understand. Like you don't understand what he's talking about. I'm like, we completely understand what he's talking about. That was a full mm-hmm. one shot clip of him explaining what he's talking about. Right. So, and that's not just in reference to Kanye. I just mean like in general in life. And so I've seen a lot of like people are like, you don't know about production tricks. And I'm almost like, yeah, that's that's the problem. It's like you don't know about production tricks. It's like I cannot change, you know, everything about them as a person in a clip, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if there's something weird, if there's something out of con, you know, it's probably, you know, use your best judgment here. But if you're, you know, if you got your gut feeling something's weird, something's wrong, it's like, yeah, maybe we need right. to examine it. Yeah, we need to examine yeah. that. So like, um. Side note, uh, yep. Colin, I just got your DM from the Hard Times. <laughs> uh, we this is what Joe Beck, and I do all the time. But by it, <laughs> we interviewed Beck, but it turned out to be Michael Sarah in a big hat. <laughs> Welcome back to what I was talking about that me and Joe are niche. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> that's the kind I, of shit that um, we love. So uh, basically, one thing I think would be interesting to talk about, Joe, is we're here now. You know, we're really. You know, we're kind of, we're still in the beginning of our careers in some ways, but, you know, we're settled, right? In a lot of ways. Um, I don't, you know, it's not like, I don't know if settled. (laughs) Well, let's say this. We're not, we're not. I'm constantly a ball of anxiety when it comes to my Well, that's true, but it's like, you know, your ball of anxiety is in that field. It's not like you're like, I could be a label guy, right? Yeah. Three seconds. You know what I mean? Like, you, 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 you know, like, and that's the one thing I will give advice for is like, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, it's like pick a zone and then just play with the zone until you're like, I don't like this part. I like this part. I don't like this part. And then go there. So me and Joe are in our zones. Let's say that. Mm -hmm. And, um, one thing I'd be interested to say is like, Joe, what do you feel like? What do you like? Uh, you know, as a, I feel like this has not said a lot on music business shows, so maybe it would be interesting for our fans. Is uh, how, how do you feel you are now, like in terms of your career, where you're going? What do you want to do? That kind of stuff. I can go first. Also, this is a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, you know, I, I'm just kind of tired. Everybody in their interviews for stuff like that with music business is like. I'm on the way up, baby. This is all I'm doing. Yeah. I'm making $3 million tomorrow because of this idea. You're not making $3 million in the music industry. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And then all of them are like, you know, that was part of the full plan, baby. Like that was just, even though we lost $6 million, that was part of the $3 million. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think like, I think it'd be interesting to talk about. Like if you want me to go first, that's fine too. And you can say as much or as little as you want. No, Um, I'm down. I'm down to answer. Uh, I think like, so here's the thing. Like, honestly, a lot of the change for me has been because of the move from Nashville to Los Angeles, um, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, and What's crazy, I mean, the culture, first off, I want to just like explain kind of the culture difference because it was like, it, it's very scary when you first move here. Um, it's very, well, 
in your face. It's like it, there's yeah. so many people, and it it gets it's the niceness of like Nashville, where it's like Nashville is a big town that feels like a small town, right? Absolutely. Where it's like you run yep. into people everywhere. You like have your like network of friends. There's a downside to that too, right? Where like Nashville can get very very clicky. It can exclude. Absolutely. It can exclude people, pretty much like off the basis of jealousy or whatever. It could be like a lot of a lot of times people will exclude people because they're doing better outside of Nashville, which is which is like a weird thing. Um, Another thing I will say is like you know there's kind of like you know you're you're in your you're in your zone. The music industry is a small industry in itself. Everybody says that, but in Nashville, it's like incredibly small. So it's a little weird because it's like, I feel like in more major cities, it's like, okay, I did my job. I'm home now. You know, I'm going to go to the grocery store. And it's weird now for me, especially in my position. Cause it's like, I literally will run into somebody that I might know at the grocery store. Like, you know what I mean? Like, which is really strange. And, and then like my girlfriend looks at it and they're like, how do you know this person? And I'm like, we met during this singer songwriter like get together thing, and so that is a whole thing with Nashville too. But anyway, I didn't want to get off your thing with that. So you get, you went to L.A. and mm-hmm. you what, what's what's going on with L.A.? How do you feel L.A. is different than that? So we have small town Nashville and then L.A. Um, well, I think like the the main thing about L.A. that especially when you're working in creative, like first off, everybody here is working in a creative field. Pretty much, it's true. Like you, you yeah. go to a grocery store and like some dude is like the producer of like some crazy show of like blah blah blah. He's working on his you film know? degree. Yeah, like yeah. everybody is like doing shit and like to some level that's like so rewarding and like so like oh sweet I'm like finding like my people on like another level. There's like a bit of like um there's a networky attitude when you walk into rooms here of like I if you're going to a place and you're like I want to make friends tonight I don't want to make I don't want to make coworkers um it gets to be very hard in the music industry because everybody is like working constantly here um Absolutely. to where it's like it's hard to talk about anything else you know but I think like a lot of the grounded people um figure out a way to get like get around that and to like actually be normal you know um so there's like a little bit of like an adjustment there. And like, there's a lot of people and you can, you can be picky with your friends here. Like you don't have to be friends with like the first person you meet. And sometimes you might not want to do that because it is like, you know, it's, it's, there's so many people like I can't, yeah, I, I can't mean, that, like that's say a really that interesting enough. idea. No, I mean, that's it's really like, interesting. I didn't think about that. Like it, it, it's the opposite I, like, of Nashville I, where it's yeah, like, I, you want to form a relationship with every single person that you yes. meet, which is also kind of universally true. But like in Nashville, it's even more because well, it's people like feel people that people I knew from, open to you know, that. one or two times. It's like, yeah, man, People, I will see you again in LA. There's actually a chance you will never see this person again. Yes. People you know? are very open to that in Nashville. People in LA are very closed in some mm. ways. You have to like break That's really through. interesting. You have to break through the wall a little bit. There's like an LA wall. It's this, it's New York is similar in a lot of ways um, to where it's like it's you a, break it's a New through. York column. <laughs> yeah. But um, you, once you break through, like you're, you're, you're good. You know, like it's like with any other place, right? It's just like, it's just yeah. a different way 
that people live and it's with any major city is kind of like that. It's not just like LA, New York, whatever. So if, do you feel like you've broken through the wall? Of LA I think I have. I think here? I've, okay. I've, I'm not like fully like, I would love to be, I, I think like right now I'm getting booked out so much, which is such a blessing. It's like so amazing. Um, I, I've, I've, I will say like, I've been getting booked out way more here than I had in Nashville. Um, it's, it's almost like night and day. It's kind of crazy. Um, there's so much more because, or do you think it's just, yeah, more there's, easy there's to a lot, stuff, there's or? a lot more, there's a lot of demand right now, especially in the music space. Um, there is, people are willing to take chances on you for a project okay. here. Because it's less expensive than if you were filming in Nashville, to be honest. Really? Yeah. You think so? You think it's less expensive? It's less than expensive LA to film? for the for the actual production costs here. Like when it comes to hiring people, it's more expensive. But like okay. for production costs, it's cheaper here. So you think is. the infrastructure is there, which then like, and there's healthy competition. So then your production costs are lower because it's like, well, there's like 15 other camera places. So it's just like, we could rent a camera from one. Of, so we have to comp- competitive prices or exactly. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And once you like, right. yeah, that's really interesting. And, and my experience is not one-to-one with anybody else, right? Like this is my experience. I'm lucky enough to have already had connections here right. before moving here. I think that that's key. Um, and Nash, uh, or LA is a great place to just pop in and visit every couple of months as an artist. You know, like it's you yep. don't have to live here; you can just pop even in as an and industry visit. person, it's great to visit. Just for yeah, like a and bit. just to like yep. just to see people and like make friends and like you can yep. you can do that. It's 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 a major city. It's like pretty great in that respect. Um, I think in terms of my my grand career, like I've I've been having like a lot of internal debate of like, am I cut out to do this job in my like forties and fifties? You know, That's like a good I, I eventually am going to have to pivot to something you know that's like less physically taxing. Well, um, yeah, that makes sense. Do you think you would potentially? go more towards like mentoring and having people work underneath you? Or do you think it would change to some I, other kind of I actually would thing? love, I would love to mentor. Um, I don't know if I'm really cut out for it, but I, I do think like I have some, some knowledge of, of how to do stuff. Um, right. I mean, you're getting to like six, seven years in your career. You know what I mean? It like, it, it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. and then like you would have that person to maybe lean on where it's like, Hey man, like, you know, you work with me. Why don't you hold all this? You know, like I'm thinking if you're like 50, right? Like, yeah. You're like, why don't you hold all this heavy stuff and I'll just direct or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, uh, you, so like, that's one option, but do you think like maybe like kind of a pivot would also be it? Like, yeah, like, I don't. I don't Maybe know. Maybe like, marketing I, kind of stuff. Or, I, I mean, I definitely want know, right? to like, be, I definitely want to do content. I think for the foreseeable future, like I love it so much. Um, and it's been very rewarding. Like I've been, I, I, since moving, I've been working on projects and with artists that I have admired. I've listened to their music. Like when I was a teenager, like I, like it, it's gotten to, this point of like, oh wow, it feels like I, I'm like actually in the industry now, 
um, of like where before I was kind of like, you know, I'm not people who you guys all know this. I'm not a country music fan. I'm just not. Um, and I worked right. in country music for a long time. I, I did not like country music. I think one of the reasons I worked well in country music was because I wasn't a fan of like a lot that of the artists. That is so true. It yeah. is insane. And, and I think like, like I, was I was able to like be like normal that. around yeah. people. Um, and it's I, so nice when you can remove yourself from that situation. Like people yeah. do that to me all the time. They're like, oh my God, I'm just going to make up names. It's like, that's Bobby Turnstale. And I'm like, that's cool. It seems like a <laughs> nice guy. Turn, um, Bobby Turnstile. Yeah. <laughs> Turnsdale. Um, and they'd be like, Turnsdale. he wrote the 1997 hit song for Reba. And then he wrote a Shania Twain song. And then they always have this. They always go like, he wrote Reba, Shania Twain. And then he wrote a Shakira song. And you're like, hello. And then <laughs> he also wrote all of this Christian music. And you're like, all right. Mm-hmm. It was a weird yeah. path, but that's fine. It's a wild um, ride, let me tell you. But yeah, I mean, well, good. Yeah, I think um, definitely I agree with your point about especially that. It's just like if you were – from Nashville's perspective, and I, I have hit on this from the show, is I remember one of the best advice I've ever got in college is you'll end up in five cities. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You could be – like if you want to be like industry, industry, like you could go regionally anywhere, right? Basically, yeah, um, and do it, right? Like it's like there are musicians everywhere, but the industry is in one of these five places, and the one of the five places is we talked about two: Nashville, L.A. Joe mentioned a third: New York. The other two are Austin, Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and Miami, Florida, because that is the capital of Latin music. Yep. And so, and also just world music in general, but basically that's kind of where the industry is. So I, I guess I can go into my kind of portion of yeah. it. It's like I'm further in my career. Um, when I first got out of college, I was mixing this little place, which one of the first people that, uh, you know, was real, some of our first listeners that were really into the show and messaged me about it were my coworkers from here, which was from wild horse saloon which will soon be rebranded to Hurricanes by Luke Combs. Oh, whatever. no. Um, I, isn't that, isn't that funny? That's tragic. Um, but I'm fine with Luke Combs, people. It's just more of like the one thing I've been talking to people around town about this is I really like that Wild Horse had like nothing to do with a particular artist. It was just a place, which I thought was interesting. And there's no place really on Broadway and 2nd Avenue that's like that as much that's that big. Um, but... Anyway, those guys down there were like my first our first real listeners on this show. So shout out to them. But that's after I got out of college or really I was in college. I remember I was doing like audio maintenance class and I had to be like, hey, man, I got to leave. I got a gig. <laughs> and uh, so I'd go down there and I'd mix country music. And I think that's why it was easy because it was just like. You know, I, I knew, and as everyone who's ever listened to our music recommendations on the show knows, I would just listen to like old kind of music all the time, which people forget. It's like Nashville, compared to a lot of pop stuff, is really the home of like acoustic music, like having a guitar, having a drum kit, having a bass on stage. Like these are things that don't pop up like a lot of the time. A lot of these pop artists you could get away with having them in tracks so like that's the nice part about coming up in this town is that like you get experience with a lot of like acoustic music 
I'm sure some people would have a pros and cons of like, well, you don't get used to tracks and all that stuff. And I go, well, you get used to tracks because there's people, uh, there's artists with tracks. But anyway, the point is, is that's where I got my chops. Did that for a while. Um, decided to go to Claire, which loved the company, knew them from like, you know, basically forever since I started my career as they're the biggest audit live, now biggest live audio company in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and went there. We already went through 2019. Nothing could go wrong. And, um, like, I, you know, I came back to Claire after the pandemic, after working a bunch of wacky jobs. And, um, you know, I, I started out there at Claire in 2019 and I did just like building racks, the effects racks for things, RFIM kind of basics of that. Um, and just tried to make like, you know, I've, and one thing that I feel like sometimes is shot down a lot in this industry and in other industries in general is I've just always tried to be a student. There was always something I'd be like, I'll just do it. I'll just learn what it is and I'll do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, not to be like, don't get yourself into bad situations where you're like doing stuff that's like not rewarding or helpful or even remotely interesting to you. It's like more of like, if there's something and you're like, Oh, there's a need there. And I think it would be interesting to learn about it and make the days go a little bit faster. I would encourage you to do it. So, um, like that's what I started doing at Claire is I just started like learning I, that like first I was hired just to check stuff in. Then I was like, you know, they're like, you're going to build racks eventually. And I built the racks and then there was RFIM and I was like, how does this work? I've never learned. They never taught us in college how to coordinate RF frequencies and how IEMs work and stuff like that. And they took me under my wing there. And then I learned like a little bit of calm. And then like, you'd learn how the industry works, like the people who come in, like what the setup is for a live show, what they deal with the same sorts of faces. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of like kind of absorbed learning there. Pandemic happens. I come back. It is insane. Like there is, um, well, actually I should say I got, then my, before I started back from the pandemic, I got a promotion to learn amplifiers because that was another thing we never learned in college was how amplifiers work. And those are what powers the speakers and all that kind of stuff like that you hear all through the venue. So I started doing that. Then we lost my job because of the furlough and everything, which Claire was extremely nice, kept all our benefits there. Everything was great. And then I moments noticed like when Claire was like, can you come back? I was like, Yes. And I, it, funny enough, even then I was like, do you want me tomorrow? And they were like, why don't you give a two weeks to your current job that you're at? And I was like, yeah, I should probably do that. Right. That's mm-hmm. like how ready I was to go back and, um, came back there. Um, immediately everything was on fire because everybody wanted to go on tour, all this stuff. And then all these people, which I've talked about a lot on the show, just weren't going to come back because they got regular jobs to survive. I was, you know, 21 22 so it was boho you know what i mean it was like just me and my girlfriend at the time so it was just like i didn't you know i didn't have mouths to feed or whatever so i i could be boho in my life i didn't have a mortgage so um i came back and i was one of the few and i just really started trying to take charge and just be like oh my god how do we do this what do we do here what do we do there and you know i'm very blessed as claire really absorbed that in my life they really went you know and we're like oh my God, Colin, like, keep doing that. We want to support you in doing that. And then I just started forming relationships with different roadies. And it was weird because after a while, I just started like memorizing things where it would just be like, 
people would be building rigs that I remember building before. And I go, Hey, this is weird. Unplug this, replug this. And they're like, why would we, and I would, they want that. Like, I, and that's when I remember having a moment of going, Oh my God, I think I'm like actually in this, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I'm in the industry. You know what I mean? It's like, I remember stuff about special little artist things from like five months ago, six months ago. I'm in, you know, as funny as that is, but that, that's really what it was. So Claire really enabled me to do that. And then I formed all these relationships. And then I just kind of started trying to um, help people around me that I feel like could help from information that I knew. Or if I didn't know it, we would learn together, which obviously there was a lot I did not know because I was only like three or four years into my or three years into my Claire career. So I was like, I don't know about this. Let's look at this. I don't know about this. Let's look at this. And then I would start calling people. I'd call other places. And then we'd just figure all this information together. And then they eventually, you know, kind of were like, saw my role as that. It's just the guy who would just kind of mess himself into things, you mm-hmm. know. And um, they rewarded that. And they gave me a promotion. And now I do quality control for uh, that office. And it's really interesting because now I get to work with all the departments that are above it. I've mainly worked in one sector. So I, you know, now I've like, I, I'm almost close to the trifecta of running every department, at least for like a couple days. You know what I mean? So that that's very exciting to me because now I feel like I could have the full picture and there's just ways where like, I literally have a whiteboard next to my desk where I'm like, how can I make these people's and everybody's lives better and easier and stuff like that? So I'll just jot stuff down. I'll be like, what have we had this? What have we had this? What have we had this? And then I'll just go through them one by one. And then, you know, clients will call and say, Hey, Colin, I think you know about this. Can you help me? And I'll be like, sure. And it's just really, it's just really weird now. Cause it just feels really entrenched, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, Again, I've like I'm very in audio, but I'm also, if you guys know, and some of the other people who listen to the show a lot are solid members of 501c3 here in town. Have got me really connected with a lot of the other people in the industry here. I do a lot of stuff, so like I try to maintain being a student there. Where I'm like, hey man, you do like artist services at a label? What the hell does that mean? And yeah. like, just you know, that's kind of what it's like. And Joe knows that's what I'm like. I'll just be like, "Tell mm-hmm. me about your job," <laughs> and um, like, you know, everybody, you never do that to anybody else. We're like, "Tell me what accounting's like." You're like, oh, "God, I don't want to know." But Colin's <laughs> over here, like, "I want to know," you know, like, and <laughs> um, coming for your give me those job. ones and zeros. But yeah, that's where I am, you know. And yeah. I just there's so much in a good way. There's so much work to be done. Mm-hmm. that I feel like is all positive. It's just helping people that I generally like, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, some people, I, it's impossible to like everybody in this industry. Right. And so like, I generally help people all the time, no matter who or what they are, even if I don't like them. And then I learn something from it. And then I get to take that along with my other kind of duties and just try to, you know, kind of become this lexicon of Jack of all trades of things. And, I, I literally couldn't ask for anything more because at the end of the day, you know, I kept saying, I keep being a student. That's what being a student is, is being a jack of all trades. Like literally, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, math, you know, reading, you know, science. Like these are a lot of different unrelated skills. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of what it is, is that I get to just continue that all the time. I mean, Joe and I like have talked about it a lot. It's like I've debated. I'm like, maybe I'll come to LA. Maybe I'll go to New York, you know, something like that. But I think that, for me, it all comes down to the personal relationships and 
I don't have, you know, something life wise that's making me want to move there. And I don't have a desire to leave my current thing. So I really can't say nothing, you know, better about it. It's just like, I feel like I've fallen into a really good thing. And I'm sure this is the most annoying conversation for some <laughs> of you that are maybe frustrated in the industry, you know? Um, mm. And I've talked to a lot of you about it, but I swear to God, these places exist. And yeah. so if you're like, you know, thinking about it, you're even like, you know, it can be as simple as like, I just need another job in the field of music that is related to what I do now. Like, let's say you do marketing or something and you're like, I need to find another marketing. It, it, it can be that simple. Or, you know, for some people, it can be as like dramatic as like, hey, you know, um, I don't know that much about production or I don't know that much about booking. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff where it's like, you can take leaps in this industry and they respect it. And that's kind of what I was going to say at the end of the story is through all this hoopla and hours and different stuff, the thing that keeps me motivated was honestly the pandemic because at one point I was a little frustrated because I just felt like I was like going up a hill that I didn't know why I was going up the hill. I kind of lost my way for a better lack of, understanding you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i didn't know kind of lost you know why i was in this in the first place because you know college is all about this springboard into your career and then i felt like i got there and i was like what am i doing you know what i mean mm -hmm. like why do i do this and the only way that i'd learned it is by losing it and that was for me very monumental in like my entire path is that when i lost my job in the pandemic you know, at first, every, you actually have a joke with the roadies. That first, like, month or two, like, if obviously you weren't dealing with the perils and the dread of COVID, was wonderful. Like, it was literally, like, we're getting paid more money than we ever have gotten paid, right? And I get to do anything I want, you know what I mean? Like, it's awesome, right? Mm -hmm. And then I found, you know, as time went on and the money kind of dried up and everything like that, I was like, okay, I need to get a job again. And I was like, well, you know, and I'm very tenacious, as you could probably tell from this whole conversation. I'll just get involved with things to get involved with things and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so I started and I was like, I'm going to go get a job. And I got a job when my first job out of there is I worked at FedEx fixing computers. And at the time, I was like, I like computers. And mm -hmm. you think you do. And um, <laughs> like, I like computers. That was a Paul F. Tompkins joke, but I, I, I like computers. And like, I literally was like, got in there and I still like computers. I love computers. Joe, no, Joe will call me about computers, computers and I love it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. True. And so I got in there and I hated computers. Like, I hated computers. Why? Not because I hate computers, because of what I had to deal with. You know, I was on an assembly line fixing computers. They said you had to fix 26 a day, all this stuff. I was with everybody that wanted not to be there. Every mm -hmm. single person hated every moment of it. And it came to my reality that for 40 hours a week, I hate this, right? Yeah. And I'm sure some of you are like, wow, Colin, that's one job. Then I went to another job that was very wacky and I won't get into it. It's <laughs> it was a completely a different job. field. <laughs> That job was um, was which just saying involved cleaning animal cages. So I'm cleaning animal cages, right? And um, I'm there, and I'm with these people that are extremely passionate about you cleaning know, these animal animals, cages. all these key. And I'm passionate about the animals because I care about animals and stuff, and I love it. And then there's some people that are not passionate about it, and they hate it. 
they hate every day. And that just infiltrates everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then I came back to Claire. And Claire was like, everybody there decided that they like music enough to deal with this shit. And what I mean is like the late night phone calls, the craziness of what's going on in the world, like, you know, the spontaneity of gear, all these different things. Like it's crazy or whatever, but every single person loves it Mm -hmm. to the T just absolutely loves it. And I, that's when I figured out, I was like, Oh my God, there's nothing like this. Like there, there, this kind of energy only exists in a place where everybody loves the thing they, you know, like the passion, the central idea that's going through this thing. And this doesn't happen everywhere. You know, I'm sure it happens in other places all the time, but when your passion is music, it can only happen in a couple places, right? Yeah. So it's not, it's not you're going into, you know, JC Penny and being like, you guys like rock music, you know, like, um, <laughs> but like that, no, right? And so you like, kids, you only got a couple places. You kids like rock music? Yeah, right. So this is my final, I guess, Gen Z thing right here is like, you know, the passion helps. And one of the thing, things, it took a long time for me to kind of realize the full severity of this quote. One of the people, one of the things people tell you all the time in the music industry and even the media industry is you better love it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you better love it. And usually it's kind of like a downer, right? It's like you better love the long hours, the hard work, all that stuff. You better love this industry to do it. And it's actually the opposite. It's a, it's a positive of the situation. It's you better love it because everybody else kind of does. You know what I mean? And if they don't, then they get out, you know, and that's just kind of how it works. But like, I just have never found any other field. Yeah. I've just never found any other field. I'm sure if I went to film and I was really passionate about it, you know, I would feel the same way, but like, that's just kind of the creative thing about music. So, yeah. Well, I think we're at the end of the journey here. Yeah. Colin, why guys, why didn't you listen more guys? Yeah, what the hell? This is, uh, again, this is your fault. <laughs> Joe did say that four episodes ago. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so Oscar moment. Again, everybody, what do I do if you guys have been listening for a long time? Every episode, what I like to end with, with is I go, guys, thank you for listening. See you next time. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I say. Yeah. And I guess this is what we're going to have to do. You know, we don't know where our lives are going. We told you where it is now, so it'll be interesting for us to listen later you know, 10 years, 15 years from now. But thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. <laughs> 